0: Well, thank you, worship team. Thank you for uh, reminding us of the goodness and the faithfulness of God as we worship and as we sing to him. You know, I've been thinking about that, uh, about the goodness of God this week, especially as we're living in a time of uncertainty in our world today with so many things that seem uncertain, whether it's the economy, the uh, politics, uh, whether it's relationships or things that people are going through personally. The other day, I was uh, at the park. Uh, Lori and I were at the park taking our dog for a walk, and we met this woman, and she had her three grandchildren with her. And then uh, while we were talking, she pointed over to one of them, and she said, you see that? That's my miracle. And I said, what do you mean? What happened? She goes, uh, just this week. Uh, my granddaughter was released from chemotherapy. She got a clean bill of health. She had stage four cancer, and now she's better. I said, wow, that is a miracle. I said, how did that impact your faith? How did that uh, impact your, your view of God? She goes, well, when I found out she had cancer, I was devastated. And so I called my friends, some of the friends that I knew, that I knew had a connection with God, and I began to pray with them. But you know, I'm sad about one thing. My son, my son never has uh, recovered from this. He's angry at God. He's angry because his father died of cancer last year, and his daughter had cancer this year. And he just can't get over the anger that he has towards God. Have you ever felt that way, angry at God or wondering about His goodness, about what He's doing in this world because you see suffering, either it's your personal own suffering or tragedy that you're going through, or maybe it's somebody else that you know and you're scratching your head and you're wondering, God, please intervene, do something, and it seems like nothing happens. Well, you know, today I want us to look at the goodness of God because I think we have to rediscover his goodness. Oftentimes, in our fallen world, we get a distorted view of who God is. We, we kind of forget who He says He is, and we base our view of Him on our current circumstances or our current reality of what we're going through. And God wants us to have a view of Him that comes from His Scripture, that comes from His heart, that is imparted to us by the Holy Spirit. So I pray today that you're capacity to understand the goodness of God would only grow and develop that through this message and through the word of God and the things that you hear today your capacity for understanding God's goodness will just increase and develop even more you know the scripture talks about God's goodness and it says it over and over again in the scripture uh, the Lord is good and a stronghold in the day of trouble Praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And then Psalm 119 says, Lord, you are good and do good. You are good and do good. I could list a hundred different scriptures that declare God's goodness. And what God wants us to understand is his goodness. You know, goodness defined is the quality or state of being kind, honest, generous, and helpful. That's a definition from dictionary.com. And A.W. Tozer, he even has a better definition of this. I found it fascinating in uh, The Knowledge of the Holy. The goodness of God is that which disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, full of goodwill toward men. He's tender hearted and quick sympathy and his unfailing attitude toward all moral beings is frank and friendly and open and by his nature he's inclined to bestow blessedness and he takes total pleasure in the happiness of his people. Have you ever thought about God like that? Have you ever allowed that to his goodness to capture your imagination? He does it through so many ways. He's revealed his goodness through his creation. He's done it through calling people to follow him, giving them the free will to decide if they want to follow him or not, but but then intervening in their lives and calling them to follow him. And he gives us second chances and multiple chances to enter into this relationship with him. You know, one of the classic encounters that God ever had with a human being, was the one with Moses. And it's one that's fascinating, and I always like to look at it. It's in Exodus chapter 33, but let me give you a little bit of the background. Moses has brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and is on his way to the promised land. And then God is giving him the Ten Commandments and the book of the law and revealing those things to him for 40 days, and he comes down off the mountain, with these tablets that have been engraved by the finger of God. And while he's walking down that mountain, him and Joshua hear the partying that's going on. There's 3,000 people within the camp of a million that have decided that Moses has been up on the mountain too long, that they need a God that they can actually see. And so they get their gold together. They give it to Aaron. They put it in a burning uh, fire. And out comes this golden calf, and they begin to worship this golden calf and say, this is the God that delivered us out of Egypt. And they begin to worship this image, this idol. Moses, is furious, he takes the tablets that has just received from God and throws them down on the ground. And he can't believe that they have turned and rebelled against God so quickly, this group of people. In the end, God deals with this rebellion. But in the midst of it, right afterwards in chapter 33, Moses is asking God, he's saying, Lord, I need your presence. Your people need to know that you will go with them, that you will not abandon them if you lead us into the promised land. See, Moses understood and knew that the people of of God needed to understand who he was. And what he was really like. And so Moses, in his boldness, he says, Show me your glory. Show me your glory, Lord. And verse, it says here in verse 19 to 33, he says, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness. Listen to what he said. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. When Moses asked to see God's glory, God reveals his goodness, all his goodness. Isn't that amazing? God could have revealed a lot of different attributes, but he chose to reveal his goodness and his generosity to Moses because that is what the people needed. They needed to be convinced that God was good. J.I. Packard says this, Within the cluster of God's moral perfections, there is one in particular to which the term goodness points. The quality which God especially singled out from the whole when proclaiming all His goodness to Moses, this is the quality of generosity. It's generosity. Packard says, The goodness of God is a part of His generosity. Uh, Packer goes on to explain that generosity expresses a simple wish that others should have what they need for them to be happy. Have you ever thought about God like that? That he's longing to reveal his goodness to you, that he loves you so much that he's generously disposed towards you for your benefit, for your good. Wow, if we could grasp that, if we could imagine God this way, as he really is, full of generosity and goodness, it would impact how we think. It would impact how we live. It would impact how we treat other people. I believe it would transform our lives. And the goodness and the generosity of God is one where he's he's disposed to it. It's who he is. It's his character. You know, when we think of generosity in our own lives, usually we Do generous or kind things to other people because they've done them to us, or we will get reciprocated for something that we've done for somebody else. And so there's this kind of uh, give and take generosity there. But with God, it's just part of His nature. We can't give anything back to God that would uh, change Him. He's already perfect and loving and kind, He just does it out of His character. And this is direct contrast to how people usually view God as a cosmic policeman or a strict, overbearing parent who is trying to manipulate or or tell somebody that you're not good enough yet. You've got to do better. I mean, you brought home a 90, but I want to see 100%. And so sometimes we have this idea that God is like our parent or like he's like a policeman or he's some cosmic force that, that doesn't really even care. So in the scripture, God is revealing constantly His goodness, His generosity, His openness, his friendliness. He's sensitive to us. Chip Ingram, in his book, uh, the, "The Real God," says this that there's three ways that we can recognize God's goodness in the world, and one of them is through His natural blessings. We take for granted the order, the beauty of the world that we live in. But God has created this in such a way, the changing of the seasons, the beauty of all of creation that he's done. He's done this out of his kindness and his goodness to us. Psalm 145 says this, They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Notice that goodness is to all. That means you and me, and it means our neighbor, and it means all the people around us. He's good to all. If you read through the Psalms, you'll point again to the goodness and the generosity of the Lord Writes through Psalm 145 over and over again. It's It's a wonderful Psalm. If you get a chance to read it, please do. And it's, In the midst, David writes this in the midst of of a difficulty in his life where he's running for his life. He's being persecuted by a King Saul, somebody that's jealous over him. But David, in the midst of his adversity, sees the goodness of God still at work in his life, and it impacts him tremendously. Psalm 145, at the end of the psalm, it says, My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. So we can see God's goodness through his natural blessings in our life. Even when you just sit down to eat. Even when you look in your house, in your home, if you have heat, if you have a shelter, if you have clothing, if you have all these things, God is the one that has provided them. We think we've done it ourselves, but it really is God's sovereign plan and his work of generosity and goodness in your life. Number two is recognize his goodness as he intervenes in our lives. One of the things that we need to do is recognize that God intervenes in our lives and actually delivers us because of his goodness. He is that great. Psalm 107 says, He redeems the helpless from their enemies because He is good. He rescues us from the shadow of death because He is good. He heals our diseases because He is good. He protects us in the storms of life because He is good. I think you could look back at your life and remember the deliverances of God in your life, the goodness when God intervened in your life and brought you out of a very dangerous situation. I remember one time when I was driving with my family and we had just gone to a baptism and I was driving home and I had this car that had been donated to our ministry and I I had been the recipient of this car and it was a good car, it ran all right, but I'd really never had it inspected and looked over carefully. And so while I'm driving home off the highway, through a busy street, turn off, go into my uh, on my street. All of a sudden, the car loses complete control, and uh, all of a sudden, it starts to skid, and it goes right into a parking spot. I mean, it's the only parking spot on my street, and it's within walking distance of my house. The next morning, I went out and I found out what was wrong with the car: the axle had broken. If it had happened just five minutes before on the highway, the car would have flipped and probably we would have been killed or seriously hurt. If it would have happened on the busy intersection or the, or the street that, I, that was off of my uh, home street, I could have had a head-on collision. The car would have just went right into, into uh, oncoming traffic. When we think about the ways that God has delivered us, it's amazing if you think about it. There's ways that God has shown you his goodness in your life and in my life. And we need to remember that. We need to think about that. I don't know if you saw the football game two weeks ago, but there was a professional athlete, a quarterback, Dak Dak Prescott. He had a serious injury. He had a compound fracture on his ankle and also a dislocated ankle. And if you saw it on the TV, it was very gruesome is probably a career-ending injury. Most thought that he will not recover from this. There's been very few that have. But Dak Prescott, just that summer, had lost his mother and his brother. They had both died. He was struggling with depression. He's a Christian, and he opened up about his struggles this summer. And now this happened to him. We wonder, what, God, what are you doing in his life? But I just read an article about Dak Prescott. He said, I'm doubling down on my faith right now. I'm believing and trusting God for the future, that He can help me, that He can help me heal, that He has a purpose and a plan in all of this. He's doubling down on God's goodness and His faith in the Lord. Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Ingram says this, there's no safer person to go to in the universe. There's no surer source of deliverance or blessing than God's goodness. And yet beyond all this evidence, the apex of God's revelation of his goodness is in his son. So not only does God bless us with natural blessings, not only does he deliver us, but he sent us the greatest goodness, his greatest revelation of his goodness when he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It says this in Colossians, says, the son is the image of the invisible God. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell within Christ. And in Hebrews, it says the sun is the radiance of the God's glory, the exact representation of his being. So Moses asked for God's glory, and he got a glimpse of it. But we have gotten the full measure of God's glory when Jesus came to earth and was born as a man, And yet was God and was revealing God's goodness, his mercy, his kindness to us in Christ. Do you remember the time in the Bible when, in Mark chapter 10, when this rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and he addresses him as good teacher? And he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response to him was this, no one is good except God. No one's good except God alone. Why did Jesus respond that way to him? Have you ever thought about that? Well, you see, this young rich man had been inquiring of the Lord about his own goodness, and he began to say, I've kept the commandments since I've been a young boy. I've kept all the commandments. And so he was basing his goodness on how his human effort had helped him to be a good person. So he thought that he should inherit eternal life. And what God was saying, what Jesus was saying to him, there's only one person, there's only one being that is good, and it's God himself. And the other thing he was saying is, if you're going to call me good teacher, then you better go all the way and call me good the Lord God, because that is who I am. And you have to follow me. And so at the end of the story, Jesus said, you have one more thing to do. Sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And it says that the young man went away sadly. What happened was Jesus turned this whole conversation around. And he said, first of all, I am God and you need to follow me, and you can trust me. You can let everything go, and I will still be good to you. Come and follow me. And yet the man could not comprehend the goodness of Jesus at that moment. He called him good, but he didn't know what that really meant. So God is calling us to come to know him. The greatest demonstration of God's goodness is at the cross. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God's goodness is imparted to us even though we don't deserve it. God continues to pour out his kindness to us while we were still sinners, while we were still in rebellion to him. He comes to us and he offers us not only his goodness, but his goodness for the future. Look at it, it says in Romans 8, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God is saying, I want you to know I'm good enough to take care of you. I'm good enough to plan your future. I'm good enough to be kind and understand where you're at. Now, you may be here today, you may be listening today and saying, Al, you just don't know what I'm going through right now. Or you don't know what this person I know is questioning right now, and, and I know I may not know all of those things. But God knows it, and God understands it. And if you come to Him, He has a way of working things out in your life That will be for your good. So, how do we respond to God's goodness? How do we respond to God's goodness today? First of all, I believe God wants us, first of all, to repent of unbelief and ingratitude. Why do we do that? Why do we have to repent of unbelief and ingratitude? Because God calls us to understand and see Him as He really is, as the God who is good. Romans chapter 2 says this, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness and the kindness of God leads you to repentance? The goodness and the kindness of God leads us to him. It leads us to repent. When we realize and understand God's goodness and kindness, it overwhelms us and we say, God, I want to follow you. You deserve all the glory. Later on in that same book, in chapter 11, it says, Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God on those who fell severity, but towards you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you'll be cut off. Yeah, you know, God is good, but he's also just and righteous. And those two things, those two truths are so true, But what he wants to do, he pours out his goodness to us, and we are to receive that goodness from him. Tozer said this, "...the greatness of God arouses fear within us, but his goodness encourages us not to be afraid." And that's the beautiful thing about the goodness and the love of God. It casts out all the fear within us when we embrace that goodness. He wants us to understand that. The second thing is that we repent of our unbelief and ingratitude, but the second thing is hold on to his goodness even in the midst of adversity. Hold on to God's goodness even in the midst of adversity. You know, we live in a fallen world, and unless the Lord returns or we're raptured, each one of us is going to go through the shadow of the valley of the shadow of death. We will experience that. Some of us have already experienced that in our lives with close calls with death or sickness or illness. God has delivered us and and he raised the dead. He even raised Lazarus from the dead, but one day Lazarus did die. You know, every one of us is going to face uncertainties and difficulties, but God promises to be good to us even in the midst of that. His presence is going to be with us He's going to strengthen us. Psalm 31 says, How great is the the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You've lavished on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. Man, how good is it that God does this for us, that he blesses us even in the midst of a watching world. He does that to his children. He delights to do that. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. Tony Evans said this, Do not let anyone tell you that God's goodness has to mean bad things should not happen. God is good because he takes the bad things that happen to us and brings eternal good out of them. He takes the bad things that happen to us and changes them to be eternal good things. Good things come out of them. And then the third thing is begin taking faith-filled biblical risks and actions. When you understand the goodness of God, He will give you the strength and the confidence to take faith-filled risks that involve change, that involve trusting Him, but that will impact your life and the life of other people. God really wants us to pay it forward. He really wants us to receive His generosity and His goodness and His grace and give it out to others. And a lot of times that means being involved in other people's lives, being generous towards others, being generous to God's kingdom work, praying, ministering to people, uh, giving them your love, your care, your compassion. This is what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. It's almost God is saying, look at, in all times, in all ways, you'll always be able to abound in His work if you're following Him. You'll be enriched in every way so that you'll be generous on every occasion, And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You know, the Apostle Paul was taking an offering. And these people were poor. But God was going to give them an opportunity to see his goodness and to see how they could be a channel of blessing to other people. And God gives us that opportunity too. So think about it. Repent of unbelief and ingratitude. Be thankful. Start to thank God every day. Have an attitude of gratitude towards God. See his goodness while you're driving, while you're eating, while you're working. Before you go to bed and when you wake up, be thankful to God. Proclaim his goodness. Hold on to his goodness even in the midst of adversity. Hold on to his goodness. And then lastly, take faith-filled rest As God gives you opportunity to be involved in doing good, in doing the good things that he's prepared in advance for you to do, step into them with confidence. Step into them and do the things that God wants you to do. Let's do that together as a church. Let's do that individually. And let's pray right now. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time today. We thank you for your message to us. Expand our comprehension of your goodness, Lord. Enlarge the capacity of our soul to receive your goodness. Allow us, Lord, to understand that you are thinking of us, wanting to do good in our lives. Change us from ingratitude to thankfulness. Give us the capacity to hold on to you through the struggle we may be facing, even right today to be able to pray, to be able to seek your face, to be able to trust you and to believe that you will work all things together for good to those that love you. And then, Lord, help us step out in faith. Help us to be generous people that give to your kingdom work, that see the needs of others and run to be an answer of compassion and goodness to them. We ask this in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.